Extraordinary. Leader. Innovative. Integrity. Honest. Courageous. Curious. Thoughtful. Brave. Unafraid. There is a place where technology and art meet, where work and play are one and the same. When the threads of curiosity are pulled in this place, the spark of innovation ripples across industries. Those who make this place their home are giants, titans who pursue creative passion while leaving their mark. Creative. Flexible. Brilliant. Clever. Confident. They are courageous thought leaders set on changing the practice of dentistry and their corner of the world. More than the sum of their parts, we deconstruct the traits that bind these uncommon innovators. Humble, daring, disciplined, playful, principled, spontaneous. To discover what makes them contrary to ordinary, where we explore the extraordinary. Hi there, I'm Dr. Kim Cooch, host and founder at Carry Free. I'm fascinated by what makes the paradigm shifters, world shakers, and art makers tick. Let's embark on a journey. Extraordinary is a place where ordinary people choose to exist. Together, we will trek the peaks of possibility, illuminate the depths of resilience, and navigate the boundless landscape of innovation. To discover how some of the most innovative dentists and thought leaders unlocked their potential and became extraordinary. On this season of Contrary to Ordinary, we'll continue to explore the motivation, lives, and character of the innovators who see limitless potential around them. In this episode, we're going to be talking to a person who helps people who are nice for a living thrive. We'll be returning to dentistry soon enough, but I'm excited to include some conversations with extraordinary people that will expand your horizons and make you think a little differently. Today's guest is Stephanie Staples. She's a prolific motivational speaker and coach who shares her positive message with busy professionals. Stephanie has a background in nursing, but after a moment of extreme burnout, she decided that she wanted to dedicate her life to helping other people realize their full potential. Her coaching style is magnetic. You'll find her mingling with her audience, encouraging them to work harder on themselves than on anything else. When I spoke with Stephanie, she was about to deliver one of these inspirational talks to an eager audience at the Oregon Dental Conference. Stephanie has also appeared on radio, television, and is the author of When Enlightening Strikes, Creating a Mindset for Uncommon Success, and The Triangle, A New Slant on Life, and even a children's book, Noah and the Triceratops. Stephanie's journey began with a large family in Winnipeg, Canada. Yeah, quiet kid, fourth child. My siblings, eight years older, 10 years older, 13 years older, so kind of more like an only child. Oh, wow, yeah. And raised by older parents. I think I always thought in my family, you know, you think, like, this one's a smart one, and that one's, you know, the pretty one, and that uh-huh. one's the talented one. And I was like, there's nothing left for me. I felt so ordinary and so not good enough. I don't remember being like a happy child. We had a lot of um, strife in our home and uh-huh. it was challenging. And I just remember I, I needed to get out of here. Like I, I needed to grow up very quickly and I needed to get out. That's how I felt, uh-huh. sadly. I wish I had a better story for you. I don't know. But you know what? That's the story we're here to talk about, right? As you were growing up, you had some challenges then, young in life. I did. When I got older and I started kind of um, unpacking, you know, why, why, what I do today right. and why I do this, 
what I realized was, as I psychoanalyzed myself, uh-huh. is I realized our family needed help. Uh-huh. And nobody offered us help. And nobody asked for help. Right. But we needed help. Uh-huh. And I just don't want anybody out there to feel like there is no hope, no solutions, no answers, no people to check in with. There's always one more right answer. And I think that's a big part of why I do what I do, because I don't want anybody to feel like I felt. Right. So you know, you, you want to make the world a better place, have an opportunity, a voice, people that don't maybe don't have a voice, to have a voice and, and to have access to a better life. Would that describe that? That's pretty darn close. So my favorite group of people to speak with, uh, and I call it, you know, air quotes here, people that are nice for a living. Uh So people that give, do, share, and a lot of those people are in helping professions. Me and my background is nursing. So Uh nice for a living. And when I say those words to people that are nice for a living, they sometimes they gasp. They're like, oh, yes, that's me. And the thing is we give, do, have, share all day long. We are nice to our patients. We're nice to the families. We're nice to our colleagues. We're nice, 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 nice. And when we get home at the end of the day, oftentimes our nice is all used up. Our best is all done. And the people that we love the most matter to us most and care about us most get the worst of us. And that's not okay. I feel like we have like a a best meter or like a nice meter. And we start out at the beginning of our our day like, oh, we're all nice and good. And by the time, you know, we're kind of time to come home and it's like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm done being nice. I'm done being nice. (laughs) And we can be unpleasant or what a fill in in your word, um, because we're, that's our safe place, right? We go home and that's our safe place. Those are our safe people. And they're going to love us no matter what. We can't treat people that work like that. We we wouldn't have a job, right? But we can, we can do that at home, but doesn't mean we should do that at home. Right. I know for me, it was going home every day. I just needed 30 minutes of me time. And, you know, with my wife, I would tell Dana, it's like, and the kids, I just need to be left alone for like 30 minutes so I can be a human again. Like I I was fully present at work and I was kind and caring and I gave everything I had. And now I'm home and I just need just a breathe. You know, I just need to stop for 30 minutes, just leave me alone. And then I'm going to turn into like that great person <laughs> again, right? But I, I needed that break. So I structured that into my life. And But I think that probably a lot of people aren't really aware of that. That's or, it. It's that piece of self-awareness, right? Uh-huh. Which is what you had and that, and that you could express that as yeah. well. Because lots of people, they don't, they know kind of something's missing between here and there, but they don't know what it is and they don't know how to get there. And if you can't express that to your your partner, you you know, they're left guessing, trying to figure out what's wrong. What did I do? What's the matter? How can I help? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Self-awareness. That's numero uno. My version of self-awareness is knowing that I need some alone time after work. Other people will need different things to feel more human. The key is working with who you are and your limitations. Personally, I think this makes me a better partner, parent, and person. The late Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, agreed with me. He taught his students that self-awareness is essential to achieving inner peace and cultivating compassion for others. Well said. Stephanie might have started her career as a nurse, but I wonder, did she always have that career path in mind? I knew I wanted to help people, uh-huh. but interestingly, and I didn't know this till I you know, reflected, but um, it never felt like a, 
the right fit. And I didn't know why. Uh-huh. But when I look back, I think, oh, you know, people want time. Like they want your time. And you're so task oriented as a nurse, you don't often have that time to give. And so what happened, I did my nursing. I think I was a, a good nurse, but something didn't feel right in me. It didn't, and I fit. didn't, it didn't fit for it you. It didn't fit. And I didn't know what, why. Uh huh. How many years did you practice as a nurse? 12 years. I had a terrible burnout situation. So I had three young kids and I woke up exhausted one day and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And my husband and I, we worked opposite shifts. So I worked day shift, he worked evening shift and I went to work and I was all nice and proper and good and whatever came home at the end of the day. And I was in a horrible situation and and ended up putting the kids to bed and and passing out in the basement. Uh And the kids woke up and I didn't hear them. And all three kids were like crying for me and I didn't hear anything. And my husband came home at midnight. The neighbors had come into our house, brand new neighbors, didn't speak English, but they heard the kids distraught, right? right? They came in, looked after our kids for three hours. I was sleeping in the basement. I'm not proud of this story, but it's the truth. What happened was I had pneumonia. I went to the doctor the next day Mm. and I had pneumonia. Mm. So I had just pushed myself past the point of, and my body just shut down. And yeah. in that time, like luckily nothing happened to those little kids, but they were preschool kids. Something horrible could have happened to them. Oh, for sure. And so at that moment, I realized, like I put my hand in the blender. I want to make sure nobody else does that. And I dedicated my life to helping the people who will help other people. So but that's uh, it was a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's sometimes it's those traumatic moments in life that we make really it's like the pain, like for you, is it finally got to the point where your body finally said, I, I can't do this anymore. We can push our bodies to a point, and then at some point in time, the body says, no. And then you have to make a decision on, well, now what do I do? How do I get back into some kind of healthy balance in your life? My journey then took me into the world of personal coaching, uh-huh. which I didn't really know anything about that at right. all. But I started doing this personal coaching. I got trained as a coach. I did one-on-one coaching. I did group coaching. Somebody said, hey, will you do a seminar for us? I'm like, well, how hard can that be? Like, I don't know. But so off I went and did a seminar. And then one day the Mayo Clinic called. But I, I know from the first moment I stood up in front of people to talk about this, uh-huh. I felt like this is how I'm supposed to nurse. This is how I'm supposed to help people. And I'm not the best speaker in the world. I have made every mistake possible. I have fallen off the stage. I have forgotten the words to the song I wrote. Like I have done everything wrong. But a cool feeling, and I hope everybody that listening has this feeling about what they do for a living, is that like nobody can tell me this is not what I'm supposed to do with my life. This is how I'm supposed to nurse. I know that. I don't have to be the best speaker in the world. I just have to be good enough to get my message across. You have to be a certain type of person that can put yourself up on on a stage like that. Uh It's not like I saw a speaker and I went, oh, I want to do that. No, it's more like I am so passionate about this message that I am willing to stand on that stage and be judged. Somebody that's going to sit in my audience tomorrow needs to hear something I have to say. Somebody's going to treat somebody different because of what happens tomorrow. Somebody's going to take better care of themselves. Somebody's going to be a better parent. Somebody's going to be a better partner. Somebody's going to do their job better. We're going to touch at least one life. Honestly, uh, oftentimes <laughs> it's mine because <laughs> you can't stand up there and spew all this. Right. You got to live it too, right? I got to be the same person off stage as I am on stage. And I want to live like a, a great quality of life. And I want that for other people. And when we are the type of person that puts it all out there, you know, you can't do that sustainably, help the whole rest of the world. Something's going to suffer. 
So you were in radio for 12 years and, and you had that show. Yeah. So that was while I had my speaking career. What happened was I realized like people seem to be it. I don't know what they resonating with my message. I was trying to think, how can I reach more people? And so I was like, well, maybe radio. So I did a bold thing and I pitched like the number one talk radio station in my city. I'm like, hey, I've got a great idea for a radio show. And I just did it on a whim. And the next day, the program director is like, oh, tell me more about your idea. And I'm like, oh, geez, I hadn't really thought it through. I'm just... yeah. <laughs> so I, I was in the early <laughs> stages of this thought. So you want yeah. to careful what you wish for. And then yeah. he said, you got six weeks sink or swim. And I'm like, well, geez, is there a manual? Is there a course? Is there something? He goes, well, it's not rocket science. It's just radio. And I'm like, he's been in it for 40 years. And he, they right, just, that's easy for him to say. Can you believe they just put people like right off the street in front of like hundreds of thousands of people? And, like, and live. Yeah, live. Right? Yeah, live. Right? You're yes. live. Yes. Yeah. I remember driving home from that interview with him, and I just, it was like banging my head on the steering wheel going, why doesn't someone stop me when I have these ideas? Somebody should stop me. <laughs> but it was a privilege to do it, and I loved every minute of it. Stephanie's radio show, Your Life Unlimited, helped her deliver a message of success and positivity through an entirely new medium. I love the idea that Stephanie walked in off the street and was just given a radio show. To be honest, I'm not surprised at all. Throughout this podcast, I found that extraordinary people often aren't in it for the money. They do what they do because they want to help others. I don't know why I have been blessed with this privilege but I am not going to take it lightly and I'm going to do the very best that I can do. And again, it's not for everybody. My style is not for everybody. My message isn't for everybody. But if somebody can get something out of it, then great. Would you consider yourself like a lifelong student? Oh gosh, I hope so. I hope I never, ever want to stop learning Uh that. Just shoot me now. I I heard one person, they said they had a conference to go to and she, she she literally said, I only have five more years here. I don't need to learn anything else. And I thought, oh my gosh, that that just saddens me. Like the day we think that we don't need to learn anymore, that other people don't have things to offer us, I just thought that that would just finish me off. I have a hard time relating to that. Yeah, yeah. I think we all need to be lifelong learners. Just You know, it makes life more interesting. It makes life more fun. It makes you just a nicer person to be around and more understanding and more compassionate. Can you name a couple of mentors that were... That had a, a played a major role in your life when you stop and think about it? Well, it wouldn't be a name that you know, but definitely a pivotal point in my life. So when I told you that I kind of fell into the the world of coaching, I remember uh-huh. like I was reading a magazine, I heard about this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that sounds amazing. But then logical me was like, well, you have a profession already and you have benefits, and that would doesn't make any sense to do that. So I decided that I would go to Toastmasters because I just fell into this world of personal development. If I only had 10 seconds with people, this is what I'd tell them. Work harder on yourself than on anything else. Work harder on yourself than on anything else and everything else will be better. Too many people, they're waiting for the boss, the government, the wife, the whatever to try and change, some to change. No, just work on yourself. Everything else is going to get better. So I decided this is what I'm going to fall into this world of personal development. So I, I would say, well, I'm not going to do this coaching thing because that doesn't make sense, but I'll go to Toastmasters. So Toastmasters is a leadership and speaking worldwide organization. I don't think anybody would not benefit from it. It is probably the most cost-effective personal growth thing you can do, yep. in my opinion. 
on the last day we had a guest and this guest was a business coach and he sat beside me and I said, oh, like I've been looking into this world of personal coaching. And he connected me with this one lady who was like a life coach in my city. And I reached out to her and she changed my life. Everything good that's happened in the last 20 years, I can lead back to this woman. Her name is Benita Stafford-Smith. She encouraged me to take this coaching course. And she said, even if you don't coach one person, what you will learn for yourself will benefit your life. And I don't know. I trusted this woman. I believe this woman. And I did it. I had a party. I invited all my friends. I said, I had a big announcement. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit nursing. I'm going to become a coach. And it was like crickets radio silence. And finally, one of my friends spoke up and she said, Steph, we have no idea what that is, but we're sure you'll be very good at it. (laughs) And I said, you watch in five years, everyone's going to know one, have one or be one. And that's exactly what happened. Uh And um, yeah, so everything goes back to Benita and trusting this one person who had this, you know, enormous impact in my life. What kind of things get you excited today? Oh, well, I am a late blooming musician. Really? Yes. So when I turned 50, I made a list of 50 challenges in my 50th year. So one of my books is called The Triangle, T-R-Y. The Triangle. And so that's about those 50 challenges. Uh And so it was probably one of the best years of my life. It was amazing to be able to try so many different things, most many of which I failed or did not accomplish. However, the road to trying it was mind-blowing. But one of the things that I did differently is I asked other people to give me challenges. So I didn't, I have a pretty big comfort zone. So if I made up all the challenges, I'm like, ah, they're still probably going to be in my comfort zone. So I got other people to give me these challenges, but I reserved the right to change or negotiate. But one of, one of the challenges was to um, learn an instrument, write a song and sing in public. I guess that's actually three challenges. Right. I cannot remember ever being so scared in my life. I can stand up and talk to thousands of people, no problem. But you put an instrument in my hand or use my voice to uh-huh. sing, completely different ball game. You asked me what excites me? It excites uh-huh. me when there's something that I don't know, but I, I think I can learn it. Like not well, and I have a low bar. I'm, I don't need to be perfect. I just need to be good enough. And I love that feeling so for example, when I learned to juggle, I don't juggle well, but I can juggle. You practice, you practice, you fall, 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 fall. And then there's one time you just like catch it. And it's just that feeling when you, you haven't got it, but you know that you've made progress. Like that is probably the best feeling in the world to me. It's like, <gasps> like ha, 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 I might be able to do that again. So anyways, I decided I was going to play the ukulele because I saw a woman play it once. She wasn't very good, but she looked like she was having so much fun. So to everyone out there who doesn't think they can play an instrument, the ukulele, very low point of entry, brilliant. Bought this little red ukulele, called her Ruby. And her and I, we have just had so much fun. And I ended up being something but from my past. I used to write poetry. That's what kind of got me through my childhood. And I was like, oh, like maybe I could use that poetry to write a song because really that's what songs are. Well, I started writing music. And I wrote this song called Nice for a Living, which is what we talked about before. Right, right. And as I'm writing this song, which is in, in a cornfield in Minneapolis, behind a hotel, brought me, I'm like, oh no, I don't want to write this song. I want to write a happy, fun, cheery, motivational, sing-along kind of song. But this song came out of my body. And it is 
like grown men cry when they uh-huh. hear this song. Uh-huh. It, because it's different when you sing things. So this song is m- my story of being nice and not showing up for your kids and blah, 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 blah. You know, I think sometimes about music and it's been part of humanity for probably as far back as we can imagine, right? And I think music plays such an important role in our lives, spiritually, right? You can almost hear your soul sing. Music is a beautiful thing. Music can help you shift your frame of mind and walk into a completely different mood. Even the great mathematician Pythagoras thought that music had the power to heal the soul. Stephanie loves to get involved in new projects. Her journey as an author began with her book, When Enlightening Strikes, Creating a Mindset for Uncommon Success. That was my first foray into writing. And it was one of those books that, and you know, because you're going to be launching your new book soon, but you give that book to someone else and it's like, I I would like hold on to it tight. I didn't really want them to have it because I thought, if you don't like this book, you don't like me because this book is so much a part of you. You don't, somebody said, how long did it take you to write this? It's like my whole life. (laughs) It's but you know what? It was an amazing process. And if anybody listening just has an inkling that you think you might like to write a book, I will encourage you and say, write that damn book. Even if not one person reads it, just the act of you writing it is so cathartic and so helpful and so interesting. Like you just, sometimes you're typing, you don't know what's going to come out your fingers. And it's like, oh my goodness, like that's... And it's fun. Or sometimes I go back and I read, I'm like, that's brilliant. Like who wrote that? Oh, I wrote that. (laughs) Good for me. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) It's very insightful. (laughs) So, you know, I'm sitting here listening to all these stories, Steph. You are truly extraordinary. What would you consider your proudest achievement in your life? I'm going to cry. Because I'll tell you the first thing that came to my mind. I'm a a relatively new grandma. Noah's four. And so he lives in a different province than me. He calls me Lolly. Uh And I was just determined that I'm just going to be the best long-distance Lolly that ever existed in the face of this earth. And, and I am. Like, we have created the most amazing bond, like, through FaceTime and just through a few visits a year. And, the, like, excited face comes, like, just hands Lights go up. up and it's and like, then, oh, it's, we do the most amazing, like, we can be on the phone for uh, FaceTime for an hour just playing uh-huh. games. And I don't know what we do. We have pantry parties and we lock ourselves in the closet for hours. And people are like, where are they? Well, they're in the closet. What are you doing? Well, you know, we put the twinkle lights up. Like we just uh-huh. have so much fun. So I'm so proud of the relationship that I've been able to create long distance. Uh-huh. That was the first thing that popped into my mind. Grandkids are such a blessing. Oh, and watching your kids parent is so oh, yeah. cool. Like it's just. And when they come back and go. You know, Dad, I'm really (laughs) sorry for my teenage years, but it's such a dessert in life. You know, being able to be a grandparent is such a blessing. That's a great way to put it, a dessert in life. It's the dessert of life. And and it's the reward for not killing those teenagers, right? (laughs) (laughs) So what's our one thing about you that people probably don't know, but have we left left anything (laughs) out? I really like projects. I would miss going to the gym, but if I was training for something, uh-huh. like I wouldn't miss a training thing. You like, I like having that carrot in front of my nose. Mm-hmm. I work really well having a little project or a little something on the go. Whereas if it's just left to my own devices, it's like, meh, 
But if I've got a deadline or something like that, I like to have something to work on. When you think about extraordinary people, think about some extraordinary people in your life, what are a couple of traits that you would identify in them? You know, I'm going to say your kindness. Uh-huh. Like, it's not all those initials after their names or how right. many years they went to school or... It's a lot of those kind of soft skills that are just really kind people that want to make the world a better place. And they're very true to their own hearts. They're true to their own values. They're true to their own purpose. And you know, not everybody's going to agree with them, but they're going in the direction that they believe they're meant to go. And I, I really, really admire people that do that uh-huh. um, and don't just go where what is expected of them or what people think they should do. They fearlessly go to what they believe is the best thing. And I think that's a very admirable quality. And so you're describing this to me and I'm thinking of you, right? Because <laughs> well, <thank> <laughs> I mean, in this conversation, I mean, you've, you've really shared with us today that you're in the business of nice, right? And that you're living your truth. Like you're, you're living your ideal life, doing what you know you were meant to do and probably feeling very rewarded just personally being able to walk that path. Is I that do. Fair? Have you, have you heard that uh, concept of Ikigai? My understanding of it is that yeah. intersection between what you love, what the world needs and, and what you're good at. And what you can get paid for. Right. Well, so what the world needs is kind of like right, that right. we'll pay for yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. And sometimes we're lucky enough to get paid for it. And sometimes it's a side hustle or it's a, it's and, a hobby and, and that's okay right. too. And it's not about money, right? I mean, it's not always about that. There's all sorts of research that shows, right? We need that certain amount to be comfortable and to not have money be a big issue in our lives. I think it's 75 grand, I think is the, the latest number of research. After that number, you're not, those people aren't that much happier. In the very first episode of Contrary to Ordinary, I sat down with Dr. John Coyce and we discussed how the Coyce Center was an extension of his passion. In many ways, he is a perfect example of this concept of Ikigai. However, sometimes on the road to achieving Ikigai, we have to allocate our time more and some aspects of our lives might take a backseat as a result. It might be work versus family or downtime versus taking on more projects. I wonder where Stephanie stands on the idea of work-life balance. I feel like I'm a bit of a contrary motivational speaker because I don't know as I believe that it is true. I believe it is a cyclical sort of thing, but generally overall, I want us to be in that area where we are taking extremely good care of ourselves most of the time uh-huh. and that we are emulating that to people that we live with and people that we are raising and we are showing them what it looks like, not just telling them to take care of yourself and, to, and we are showing them what that looks like. So, you know, most of us in our business, it's, there, it's a cyclical thing. Like some, there are busier times. There are times when we must focus on this and there are times when we must really focus on family and I think it's not a a single person deciding this. It's a team effort. It's not this horizontal line. It is not a horizontal line. It's more kind of a wave. But it's that communication part. It's that kindness part. It's all that. It drives me crazy when people have so many gifts and opportunities and blessings and things, and they are complaining incessantly about like, we're taking our kids to sports and the time and 
Like what a privilege it is to be able to take your kid to sport, to be able to have that time in the car with your kid, to be able to afford to put your kid in team things like on and on, I could go about that. But then it's a lot about our mindset, right? If you're going to decide, I just have no work life. Well, then you're not going to have any work life balance. But if you make a decision, I need to make this a priority. When you change your mindset. The little invisible antennas pop up out of the back of your head and they start looking for solutions. We need to be more solution focused as a team, as a unit, as a family. How can we move toward this together instead yeah. of one person just paddling like mad and, and then one day we just explode or we have, we're in the basement. Or you collapse. Yeah, you yeah. collapse. Yeah. If you can be better, a better person and, and make that area better, you, you impact the world. It's like the ripple effect. If you're only just focused on the negative, you never see a solution. As I think about and and look at extraordinary people, do you think that's something that we're born with, being extraordinary people are born that way? Or is it something that they learn? Or is it something that it's a place that they kind of choose to go to with their life? Or is it maybe a combination of all three of those? Yes. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to okay, say so yes. yes. But I'm just I'm going to answer I'm going to answer that because you told me that everybody that sat in this chair they they don't think like and I think the same thing. There's nothing extraordinary. I'm just living my life. I'm just doing my thing. That's what everybody thinks. So I'm sure there are some people that set out with this like oh, I must do this and I must conquer and I must I'm sure there's some people like that and I'm sure there's many of more of us who just accidentally fall into well, that's awesome that you think my life is extraordinary or whatever, but I'm, I'm glad to be inspirational to somebody. But I think most of us just kind of fell into it, I'm going to guess. I guess so. I think for me, I felt like there was something more, there was something different, something better. And I didn't know what it was. I had a nice husband. I had nice kids. I had a nice job. I had nice, 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 whatever. But I felt like there was something missing. And so I would say to your listeners, if you feel like that, there is probably a reason you feel like that. And start paying attention. We kept talking about self-awareness. What do you love? What part of the newspaper do you pick up first? In the bookstore, what area do you go? What excites you? I do. So I don't need to be a seven-figure speaker but maybe somebody else does. So whatever it is you want to do in your practice or in your life or in your family life, people that are raising their kids, maybe they're homeschooling, maybe they're traveling for a year, whatever it is they see other people do, they often think, well, it's easy for them or simple for them. I could never do that. Like I just moved to an island. I just picked up everything and moved to an island. People are almost be nice. Well, you know, I gave up. Like everything comes at a cost, right? Well, people will say, must be nice. And you go, Yeah, it is nice. It actually really is nice, (laughs) but it comes at a cost. So I'm just saying, before we just let those words roll out of our lips, oh, it must be nice. Oh, it's easy for them. Oh, you know, maybe, but maybe also they have planned this and worked toward this and are leaning into what they love. And if there is something you love, maybe you can't do it to the nth degree, but maybe you can do it to some degree. Right. You know, so just because we really like doing things at eight, nine, 10, I am here waving the flag for like four, five, and six. Like, what can you do at four, five, and six? I I don't know. I've had a lot of luck with four, five, and six. And so really you're living a life intentionally and you've kind of designed it. Even before creating this life that has been very intentional is creating a me that's very intentional. Mm -hmm. That it's like, well, I don't like that person that I was before and I want to create a me that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And all of a sudden, you know what? People find that me really interesting now and really like fun to be around. And nobody invited me on a podcast when I was a 
before, <laughs> right? But I created a me that I wanted to be around, which led me uh, capable to create a life that I want to live. Yeah. And I think I'm hearing from you also a level of self-awareness. You had the episode where you crashed in the basement floor. Being able to wake up from that and go, something is wrong. Something seriously wrong with my life and I need to make a change. I got to figure out what that is. But being self-aware enough to say, I'm not happy or I don't feel centered in what I'm doing and then say, I want to make this change and I, and I want to proceed forward and go do that. I think self-awareness is probably a trait of extraordinary people. I would say that's right up there. And tomorrow we're going to talk about that in our emotional intelligence thing. Emotional intelligence is so important to increased well-being. Sometimes burnout creeps up on us because we simply haven't paid attention to the signs. Stephanie inspires so many people to be better, but I wonder, who inspires her? Honestly, what inspires me most is somebody that I just passed by. Oh, I was playing my ukulele in the ladies' room. Uh-huh. Okay, so they had a little bench, and I was just like, oh, I'm just playing my ukulele. Just, I had hours to kill. This lady's washing her hands. She comes by, and she gives me a dollar. <laughs> she tried to give me a dollar. I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, I don't want any. And she's like, oh, no, but it's so lovely. Like, here, take it. And I was like, oh, God. Like, I was so embarrassed. Like, I'm not busking. I was just sitting in a corner in the bathroom, like, just killing time. Yeah, you know, this could be a new a new career for you. <laughs> you should put a hat out and, and feed it with a, start it, seed it with a couple of dollars and just see what happens. There you go. Right? I yeah. might be a wealthy speaker after. <laughs> But this lady insisted. The ladies' room singer. I heard that's what they called her, yeah. (laughs) So I took her money. I made her sign the bill. And this woman, she worked at one of the fast food kiosks. She handed me $10. She probably only made $10 an hour. You know what I mean? That inspires me. Like somebody like that. Who noticed you and you made a difference in their life and wanted you to know that. What a sweet moment. Yeah. I haven't thought about that in a long time. So thanks for bringing that to my mind. But when I think about things that inspire me, that's the kind of things that inspire me. Cool. And that happens every day, everywhere. You don't have to know famous people or be interviewing people or whatever else. Just look around and talk to people. Just be interested in people. We don't talk to our neighbors anymore, right? We don't talk to each other. And that's one of the things that concerns me is like my grandkids. I have teenage grandchildren and they're on their phones and they're sitting next to each other, texting each other. Right. And I'm like, you know, it's a lot easier just to turn <laughs> to somebody and go, hey, I, did you hear this story I heard the other day? Or, hey, what do you think about this or that? I kind of worry we're losing our skill at, at, at communication. Let me tell you, it's not just the teenagers, but here's one thing. So we're talking about this conference. And so I'll ask mm. tomorrow, who are you sitting beside? Is it all people from your, from your office? Shame on you. Like you're at a conference I love you and I'll see you at work and let's cross-pollinate ideas that we're all going to learn. Sit with somebody different. Yeah, meet somebody new. Challenge yourself to reach out to somebody. It's an opportunity to network. It's a huge opportunity. But, you know, we sit with the person we know and we don't want to offend anybody. But just, what if you did say like, hey, how about in this, we each go to a different session, we come back and cross-pollinate our ideas. Or how about in this session, you sit on this side, I'll sit on this side, we'll see who we meet. And then we can introduce each other later. Like there's so many opportunities at things like this. What's the plan for the rest of your life at this point then? What does that look like? 
What's a plan? Well, that's a large question. What's a plan for the rest of your life? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Uh-huh. These dental conferences, they're a little incestuous, right? You speak at one and then the next, then the next. And, and I've been going into dental practices and I think that takes a special kind of leader that understands um, giving your staff the gift of professional development and mm-hmm. staff that have worked together for years and years. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about you. Like helping them connect on a different level. So I would love to do more of that and not just the conferences and the big groups. The big groups is great, but there's really to be able to coach the practices uh-huh. is is a really untapped area. You've got good employees, believe in them, sharpen their skills, increase their emotional intelligence, have them create an experience. We talked about transformation or transactional, you know, for your for your patients. So why does my friend drive by seven dental offices to get to the one half an hour away from her house. You know why? Because they treat her in a way <laughs> that makes her feel special and important and cared about. And, you know, you want to create an experience for your people that work for you and your clients that, and patients that come to you. And you can only do that if you're in a great spot yourself too. So I yeah. hope I just get to keep doing more of what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And be a Really important. Lolly. Is that a Canadian term, lolly? No, it's a Stephanie term. But okay. my husband wanted to be called Pops. And I'm like, I need something that goes good with Pops. So it was either Tootsie lolly. or Lolly. <laughs> so I'm like... Uh, okay, now I'm following the logic here, right? That's right. So uh, I'm lolly, like, I like that, but I love that. But lolly. I, thought, I pictured the kids saying, okay, Lolly and Pops are picking me up from school. And I'm like, how can we not be the fun grandparents when we're called like... Oh, and lolly when I just and hear that little four-year-old voice, Lolly, Lolly, Lolly. I'm like, yes, no. <laughs> It's awesome. And easy for them to say too. Yes, it's a win. You know what? Lifestyle, I feel like professionally um, fulfilled. I feel personally fulfilled and I I feel very blessed to be where I'm at at this moment. And I hope I can spread a little of that love uh, around. And thank you for noticing that it's contagious. So that's good. (laughs) Thank you so much, Steph, for being with me today here on Contrary to Ordinary. I've really enjoyed our conversation. What a fabulous time we've had. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. And here's what I'm going to say to your listeners. One of my favorite things to do is hijack the podcast host. So if you want me to come back and interview Kim, put him on the other side of this mic, (laughs) you just put a little comment in there and and that's what we'll do. (laughs) Doubt all his his stories. I would absolutely love to be interviewed by Stephanie. Stay tuned for her possible return as a guest host on Contrary to Ordinary. Stephanie was such a fantastic guest. Her commitment to enabling others to make their own lives better is so inspiring. We could really benefit from having more people like her in the world. Thank you so much to Stephanie Staples for being a shining light for so many people who are in the business of being nice. And thank you for coming on this journey with me today. Around here, we aim to inspire and create connections. We can't do it without you. If this conversation moved you, made you smile, or scratched that little itch of curiosity today, please share it with the extraordinary people in your life. And if you do one thing today, let it be extraordinary. Mm -hmm.